This is Ready Radio, preparing you to be ready for anything. Now, here's your survival guide for Ready Radio, John Rush. And it is Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us live show today on June the 9th. And the, uh, let's just say this, the year is rolling by fast. So we've got a special show today as well. Appreciate all of you joining us. And uh, we'll just get started. Let's get right into it. We've had William Fortune on before with us in the past. But William, welcome back. How are you? It's good to be with you guys again. Hey, I always love it. In fact, uh, every time you know your name comes up and I have the opportunity to have you on, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on that. I really appreciate it. I I love all of the work that you have done. And for everybody maybe that don't know who you are, and I've explained this, you know, in the past, and even have you know talked about you on my weekly program as well. But for those of you maybe that are just tuning in for the first time, who is William Forstian? I don't know. Who is he? <laughs> a guy a lot smarter than me. Let's just say that. <laughs> All right. I've written a number of books. Uh, the one that gets a heck of a lot of notice is uh, One Second After, which is about the after effects if America was ever hit with an EMP strike, shorthand for electromagnetic pulse weapon, which is generated by lofting one to three small nuclear warheads aboard a ballistic missile above the United States. When those weapons detonate about 200 miles up, they set up an electrostatic discharge, cascades down to the Earth's surface, wipes out our power grid. It's a reality. We've known about it for 50 years, but we're not preparing ourselves for it, which is why I'm so disturbed right now. And, And really quick... Along those lines, there's a lot of folks out there that do know what an EMP strike is. Some have heard about it. I would venture to guess uh, that most of them don't have any concept of what you just said and how it works, because we're so used to seeing the aftermath of a you know nuclear explosion on the ground that most people don't really have a concept of, okay, wait a minute, this thing is exploding, it's being detonated, you know, miles and miles above the Earth's surface. How, you know, frankly, they're thinking to themselves, how is this going to affect us one way or the other? It doesn't make any sense. Great question. Uh, Again, EMP, electromagnetic pulse. What happens is if you detonate a nuclear weapon in the outer atmosphere 200 miles up, it sets up an electrostatic discharge called the Compton. E-O-M-P-T-O-N effect. Yep. It's really, it's similar to like a lightning bolt hitting next to your house if you just bought a new 80-inch color TV. Uh, As it hits the Earth's surface, this electrostatic discharge, it gets fed into the millions of miles of wiring. Wires can also serve as antennas. They feed into the electrical grid. They short-circuit it out. They blow the power lines. Literally, they would cause power lines to explode, the high-tension lines. The entire power grid of the United States is in serious trouble. Most likely, all of it would start to cascade and collapse. Why is that so bad? Well, I know I've asked you this before. Where does your water come from? Right now, where do you get your water? You. 
Yeah, well, in our case here, most of the Front Range comes out of, of course, the Rocky Mountains. It comes down rivers. A lot of cities and municipalities, it is not gravity-fed. It is pumped either up into a water tower that then is gravity-fed back out. Either way, even if your water in our area, uh, Bill, is is you know gravity-fed, you still have to have wastewater. We can talk about that as well. Bottom line, without electricity, you're probably not going to have either. Yeah, and so picture every major small town, major city, whatever, what happens to that city within a day if there is no water left? Okay, so people, they'll they'll grab bottled water. How long is that going to last? A day? So, And and really quick, I want to make sure I throw this in because I'm going to get corrected if I don't. Every municipal water system goes through a treatment plant, which has to be yep. run off electricity. So even if gravity is fed to the treatment plant, to your, to your point, Bill, everything from, the, you know, from the, the treatment plant itself back out is, of course, either gravity-fed or pump. But without the treatment plant, everything stops. God. So, okay, the congressional studies, there's been several, indicate casualty rates as high as 90%. Wow. That means 90% of Americans will die within a year or two. So how? Well, within a day or two, you're without water. The average town only has about 20 days' worth of food stockpile mm-hmm. on hand from what's in your market to what's in your fridge. So let's look at the sewerage issue. All that gets dumped back in the rivers. Five to seven days later, you're going to start having massive outbreaks of gastrointestinal illness, yep. killing people. So you lose your water, you lose your food, you lose command and control, meaning your cities descend into chaos, you lose your medication, you lose everything, because electricity is the fundamental building block of our society. Without it, we're screwed. And and has been now for, correct me if I'm wrong, what, 150 years or so? Yeah. uh, Most of America was electrified back in the 20s and 30s, and by post-World War II in the 50s, the vast majority of us. Okay, so 100 years, let's say. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, we, we know there were small towns in other areas that had it in the late 1800s, but yeah, to your point, it really didn't get to everybody until the 20s and 30s. Right, and it's called the expectation of normalcy, meaning electricity worked yesterday, it's going to work today, it's going to work tomorrow. We can't conceptualize it going offline for months, perhaps even years. Look what happens when uh, an area loses electricity just for one week. And that's like a small or regional thing with supplies and emergency help coming in. Suppose everything is gone. Mm-hmm. Then what happens? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And th- these are things, and we, you, know, you and I, of course, have talked about this in the past. I always have to remind myself... Uh, Bill, that, you know, we get different listeners each and every time. Uh, you know, I do all the programs I have. There's listeners that are, you know, transient. Some come and go. Some can only listen certain days. So I always have to remind myself that even though you've been with us now, I don't know, this I think your fourth visit with us, I have to remind myself that not everybody else knows that. I do. You do. We sit here and talk about things. And I always have to remind myself that we have to still go back to some of these elementary things because otherwise folks are not really going to understand what we're talking about. To your point, with all of this EMP conversation, I guess is the way I should say it, is the majority of people never think that far ahead, even in their own individual lives, to know what they would do if something like this happened. Well, you know, it amazes me every time a hurricane hits an area, all right, like the big hurricane last year in Florida and such, 
the number of people who live in hurricane zones, but a day or two later are holding up signs. Yeah. Yeah. FEMA, come help me. Yeah, good point. Rather than stockpiling an emergency supply in their house for a month, yep. even just one month, right. can make a difference. Oh, I mean, in it's a lot of cases, we know this, and of course, your books, and for those of you listening, uh, you should all, if you're interested in this topic, which most of you that listen to this program, Ready Radio, you are interested in this or you wouldn't be listening in the first place. And I recommend the entire series of books that Bill has out. And you can find them all over the place. Uh, literally, all you have to do is go look. They're out there one second after. If you find that book, you'll find everything else that, that you've written, Bill, as well. You've got a new book that we're going to talk about as well, which is five years after. But bottom line, if folks want to learn more, I think you do a really fabulous job of, in fact, you're probably a little bit nicer even in the way you write the books as to what actual reality would be. I think you do a really good job of depicting it. Well, (laughs) I do write for a general audience. I teach at a Christian school. I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic myself. So, yeah, I I tend to tone some of it down a little bit. But let me just give you two quick examples of what happens when society goes wrong. Berlin, 1943-44, when the last Jews were being rounded up and taken to the train stations, they knew what was coming. Mm. They held up their children and were saying to their Gentile neighbors, please, take my child, I won't say a word. Mm. Very few people did. Mm. And... Think about it as a moral choice. Mm-hmm. Your neighbor doesn't have food or water. His kids are in a bad way. You do have water. Are you going to just share it with them? Right. Right. Those 50 people show up at your door. Are you going to share a bottle with each, or are you going to say, I'm sorry? These are tough moral choices. That well, and let's, let's add one more list. thing to that list as well, which you and I have touched on in the past. Let's say that it's not necessarily... The neighbors that show up that are looking for those items, but there's some bad people that show up because they know you have things that nobody else has. Now what, Bill? Well, you know, my friends who live in cities, and and they're, they're of course, familiar with what I do, but they they do point out most urban dwellers have this fantasy, well, if it goes bad, I'll just go out in the country. (laughs) You know, walk out for a day or two. Yeah, sure you will birds and farms out there that are more than happy to give me milk and food and everything else. We're all going to be struggling to survive, and we're going to have to cut people off. And that's a horrible situation. It really is. I mean, and again, you talk about that in your books, and I think do a really, again, you do a very good job of of simplifying things, I, I guess is probably the best way to say it. Your writing style is absolutely fabulous. Anybody can pick up your book and read it. Even a 10-year-old Bill could pick it up and read it and understand what's going on. So you do a really good job as far as that goes. Again, very kind, I think, when it comes to these things, because I think in a lot of of areas in the country, depending upon where you're at, it may look a lot darker even than what you paint the picture of uh, in your books. And again, not not criticizing you. you you're writing for all audiences, and, and I understand that. I just think, especially now, and again, some of these books you've written you know, years ago, we've now gone through COVID and seen what happens to, you know, particular individuals. And <laughs> I, I have less faith in society now than I did three years ago. It's sad, isn't it? It really is. Uh, the level of panic that starts to set in with some people and the ceiling off, it, it will come down to some very difficult choices. Yes. Uh, another quick example, suppose you run a medium security prison. Okay. And the power goes, and you got a 1,000 inmates. What are you going to do? 
You're going to lock them in their cells and leave them? Are you going to let them loose, or are you going to shoot them? Mm. Which could very well be a choice after one week if your community around your prison is saying, you will not let these people out. We'll kill them first. Mm. These are dozens of different types yeah, of questions. Great like point. You know, you know, that, you, you, the one you just mentioned, I have kind of thought about in the past, but not in depth in every area. I mean, every state, I don't know, Bill, of an, of an area. I mean, you've got, got local jails even, uh, and, you know, you, you take that all the way up to, you know, here in Colorado, we've got the Mac, you know, one of the, the highest security, you know, down in the Florence area, we've got one of the highest maximum security prisons in the country. It's where El Chapo right now is held. If that gives you any idea of the people that are there. Yeah. What do those folks do there? Well, you know, it's not going to be Mayberry. Remember where Andy Griffin would come in the jail in the morning right. and let the local trunk out? Right, you know, Otis. Oh, you let Otis out in the mornings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you let Otis. That's right, Otis. I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> yeah, you let Otis out. I don't think we'll be in that situation. No. Remember in the book, one second after, one of the first things that happens is two drug thieves yep. are executed by right. the town. right. That wouldn't have conceived of it a week earlier, but realize now we have to kill these two because there's no other alternative. Yeah, the alternative would be to just let them run rampant and continue to, you know, you know, really release the carnage on multiple towns. Even if it's not yours, it's the next town over, and it just continues right. to perpetuate. Yeah, big fact they even say that. Well, if we let you go, what's to prevent you from going to the next town over, doing right. the same thing again, dealing drugs? Right. So we're going to shoot you. Right. No, and again, those are really, really hard choices because the uh, even myself, Bill. I mean, I, I've killed a lot of animals in the wild and hunted and fished and done all those different things. Have I ever taken a human life? No, and I hope to God I never have to. Exactly, because that's a terrible moment to confront. You know, about ten years ago, somebody tried to knock me off at a, a gas station. What saved me was I was holding the gas nozzle pointed the gas nozzle and reached into my car for me and pulled the pistol out. And for a couple of seconds there, I thought, am I going to have to kill this person? Mm. Fortunately, he just swore a bunch of four-letter words at me and jumped in his car and took off. Mm. But in a desperate situation, we're not going to be able to make those choices. No, you're going to have seconds to make those choices, not minutes, too, by the way, and you know that, Bill. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and again, folks, we're not trying to. And Bill, I know your heart. We're not trying to scare anybody into anything. We're just really trying to let people, uh, you know, make people aware of the possibilities of what what's out there. In fact, in my notes today, one of the things that was sent to me by uh, your publicist was, you know, you pray that you will be remembered 30 years from now as a crank, widely considered yes. one of the foremost experts of EMP attacks. Uh, you want more than anything to be wrong when we talk about these attacks being imminent, and I, I couldn't agree more. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I say that in my forward. 30 years from now, my daughter has grown up happy, has kids, and I'm just considered a crank. I will be happy mm. because the alternative, I don't, you know, Part of me doesn't want to think about it late at night. When I'm sitting there and I'm working on the book, I'm going, oh, God, don't let this type of thing happen. Mm-hmm. How cl- Really quick, how close currently, and we, again, we've talked about this in the past, but you know, things, even since the last time we, 
we chatted. You know, things continue to change and develop. We've now got an ex-president that's going to be indicted for things that every other president under the sun has done exactly the same thing that he's done, maybe even to a, <laughs> high, to a higher extreme. But now we're going to indict a previous sitting president. I mean, uh, the reality, Bill, is, you know, to me, we just keep inching closer and closer and closer. Again, I'm not trying to say that to alarm people. I just think that's the reality of it. Well, you know, it's sort of like you lost your brakes, you're on a steep hill, and the car just creeps forward a little bit. It's going to keep going faster and faster and faster. And that's all I'm seeing things at the moment. The car is rolling down the hill at mm. ever-increasing velocity. Where's it going to end? And, and unfortunately, and I think you would agree with me here, unfortunately there's nobody driving it to put the brakes on. Right, that's what's good. You're, you're, you're stuck in the back seat. Yeah, you're, you're just along for the ride. You're in the trunk, even. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, I, yes. And I use the trunk analogy because I'm not sure. When you're in the trunk, you don't even know where you're going and what's happening. You can feel things picking up, but you really can't see what's going to happen next. In the back seat, at least you get to see. <laughs> you get enough time to scream. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you're in the trunk, you don't know anything about what's going to happen next. And I kind of feel like that's where we're at right now. Yeah, we're all being stuffed in the trunk as well. Why are we in the trunk to start with? Yeah, great point. Great point. Talent. And and we we've talked in this in this uh, you know uh, this this particular conversation in the past as well. Do you feel like it's going to be a a you know a well known country like you know a Russia or a China or do you think that they'll be you know proxy? Uh, you know, proxied countries even that, yeah, let's face it, it's probably going to be a China or a, or a Russia that's driving things, but will they be the ones to you know, actually, quote-unquote, push the button? Okay, uh, let me ask again. I, I forgot. How old are you? I'm 58. Yeah. Okay, so you grew up at the end of the Cold War. Correct. In, uh, so in the 50s and 60s, it was city busters. Huge ICBMs hitting each other's cities. It's called mutual assured destruction. Russia does us, we do them, Correct. therefore we're not going to do it. My big worry today, of course, is the rogue players. North Korea, Iran, and terrorist groups. Right. They might very well want to do something like this. Uh, an example I give is, suppose that the head of North Korea finds out tomorrow he's terminal. He might figure... Oh, what the hell? I'm just going to do it and yep. take America with me. It will be glorious. I worry about the third war players who yep. might very well Agreed. do it. Like, like 9-11. You know, they didn't care about what happened afterwards. They just wanted to make their mark at the moment. Well, and keep in mind, we've got countries like now Afghanistan that are being controlled by the Taliban that's right next door. Uh, to you know, to uh, another country, by the way, that uh, that we know has the capabilities to do exactly what we're talking about, because we've helped them with with some of that. And and as much as we may think Pakistan is our friend, are they in the end? Is the question, or would they do something along these lines? And the other thing, I reason I say this, this is not to be derogatory by any means, Bill, but these individuals that we're talking about in those areas, even North Korea to a large degree, their people don't rely on even the same things we do on a daily basis. For them, if they lost electricity, no offense, they're still good because they're used to living without it anyways. Well, you know, am I right? 2016, wait, 2016, 2017, when, and okay, I am pro-Trump, all right? Me too. Trump? Yeah, no, you know, we, you're okay. in good company. Do you recall that in 2017, North Korea was rattling the saber like mad, yep. and Trump made it very clear. 
don't even twitch. Yeah, don't come. Don't yeah, don't don't even get started. That's right. That's right. Don't even think. Don't even think about it. Basically, they shut up. What's happened now? We have an administration that's not reacting to these things. Right. So it's just emboldening our, our uh, worst possible enemy. Let's go one step further, not to get off on a tangent on politics, but we've, we have found out here in this last week, Bill, I'm sure you saw the news, to where we pulled out of Afghanistan and we had this excuse from the White House that, oh, we had really no idea what was going to happen, that things were going to fall as quickly as they did as soon as we left. Wrong answer. That's a complete fabricated lie. The White House was briefed and knew exactly what was going to happen from the internal side of things because they told the White House, if you pull out now we're going to lose this thing in a matter of weeks if not days so the white house knew full well exactly what was going to happen next and lose up to 80 billion dollars of military that's right which they yeah, I mean, yeah. but, but and then again, that's where I, I, you know, we talk about, you know, what's what's this threat like, and you talk about a country that frankly hates us. And it doesn't matter what anybody else out there thinks; they really do hate us. And we leave them all of these arsenals of things. They've got a country next next door that has more than enough capability to do the very things you and I are talking about right now. I don't trust any of them. Well, okay, another example on top of that. About six months, three months before the end of the Trump administration, he finally got onto it. And I had some friends working in the White House as speechwriters. They said he's taking it seriously. He mandated DOD, DOE, and others to come up with a comprehensive report due on his desk, I believe it was 90 days into 2017. What will we do about EMP? Let's get the legislation forward to start reacting. Guess who? killed it the day he took office. Biden. You got it. We're spending a trillion dollars, over a trillion dollars on so-called green energy. We're not spending one dime on hardening the infrastructure, preparing it. Office component in our electrical grid is 40 to 50 years old. Right. We're pumping electricity in a 1970s, 1980s grid. Yep. It hasn't been updated. Oh, but we're getting plenty of windmills and solar farms. Well, guess what? Still there doesn't help the other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, hold that thought. You know, we'll come right back. By the way, those of you that might have a question for Bill, send me a text message. I'll get it asked as well, 307-200-8222. Again, our guest is William Forstchen. It's F-O-R-S-T-C-H-E-N. If you go look it up, really, if you just go out and do a search for one second after, you'll learn everything about Bill from, from really just doing that search. We'll have links, of course, up on our website as well at ready-radio.com. Up next, we've got a couple of commercials I would like to you guys to to uh, tune into and all of our sponsors that make this program happen on a routine basis, one of those being Stack Optical. My wife was just there this past week, had a great eye exam, glasses, which, by the way, came like a day later. You name it, they can take care of you. And Alan's a great guy who, by the way, believes wholeheartedly in the things that we're talking about right now as well. Give Alan a call. Anything you need when it comes to eye care, 303-321-1578. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. 
Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream, even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. Summer hailstorms have returned with a bang, leaving roofs across the front range in need of repair or replacement. You need to know what options will be best for your home. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we pride ourselves in helping homeowners maintain their roofs through hail or shine. We work with any insurance company to get your damaged roof the replacement it needs. However, if you are looking to get more life out of your current roof, we also offer a 100% plant-based rejuvenation treatment that gives new roof performance without all the new roof costs. With over 20 plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your situation and through every season. If you think your roof has been a victim of hail, contact us to set up your free inspection and receive an honest evaluation about the condition of your roof. Call today at 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916 or go to RoofSaversCO.com to keep a durable roof over your head. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. All right, we are back. Ready Radio, the website, ready-radio.com. And again, if you have a question for us, you can text us, 307-200-8222. Bill, a question Charlie and I have been meaning to ask you the last few times you've been on, and I just honestly get to yapping away and I forget to ask, is why or are some of your books going to be made into movies? I mean, have you ever been asked, is it something you don't want or would you love it? Why aren't they? (laughs) From your lips to God's ear. (laughs) Yes. Uh, We've been tied up in option hell for well over a year. Uh, we've had three different drafts. I love the first one uh, of screenplay. I detest the third one, but you're kind of stuck with it. Uh, and now the WGA strike, the Writers Guild, has totally tied everything up in Hollywood. So mm. I don't know. I don't trust them anyhow. <laughs> Got it. Because, I mean, it, would, they would, it would make a great movie with multiple sequels if they, you know, again, it has to be done, to your point, correctly and all of that. But to me, it would just be a fabulous movie. Well, I jokingly at one point said to one of these people, 
Well, why don't you just put a cruise ship in the middle of it, and it gets wiped out, and you have love boats from hell? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, hey, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, no. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I personally, cause, you know, because I love your books and have, have you know, read them and listened to them, you know, multiple times. I, I would want it to be as close to that as possible. I know that's probably too much yeah. to ask, but it would be nice if they were as close to that as possible. Uh, no comment other than that. And I, I would much prefer a television series rather than a movie. Oh. What are movies today? True. You know, uh, you know, Superhero 20, the same explosions happen in the first three minutes. True. And then, yeah, uh, I'm hoping for a TV series, maybe after the WGA strike is over. Okay. Progress will find Okay. All right, so before I I run out of time, which, again, we've got about 25 minutes or so left, but 20 minutes roughly, talk about five years after. We briefly talked about that, you know, last couple of times you've been on, but that's a new book coming out, I believe, in August is when it's actually going to hit the shelves, (laughs) if I'm not mistaken. Talk about that. Okay, August 25th, five years after. Well, the title says it all. To fix things up five years later, and what type of government are we going to establish? The hard thing to deal with here is okay. If we those who survive, how are they going to organize themselves five hmm. years later? Hmm. And what are the obstacles involved? And then, of course, I mean, you know, okay, I took it from COVID. Uh, suppose plague gets released. How do we stop it? Hmm. Uh, and in fact, diseases like that will run rampant. But suppose yes. a shadow government decides we might very well infect our own people to get rid of some of them. Wow. So uh, that's the story five years later. Sounds, um, again, I can't wait to, I can't wait to get it. So, I mean, I, I, uh, with me, I've got a little bit of an inside edge, so I'll get a little chance to see it probably before anybody else does, which I'm very thankful for, by the way. And uh, but yeah, no, I'm very excited for it. I think it's just going to be fabulous. Well, it, any plans? I'll, I'll, go, no, go ahead, go ahead, Bill. I'll give away one character. Okay. What happens to that character? Yetzel. Yetzel was just in the car yep. for three books. I love Yetzel's. I wish I had bought one. Yetzel finally dies, and oh. John and the, my two main characters look at each other and go. Okay, the Etzel's dead. Now what do we do? Wow. Uh-oh. Okay, good one. Yeah, and for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, you got to read the books to, to know what we're what we're what we're really meaning there. But I know exactly what you mean by that because that has been a main car, if you would, throughout the series. Well, because cars made prior to the 1970s, but especially in the 60s and the 50s, yep. Could survive an EMP, whereas modern cars, especially post 80, 85, they're going to be shorted off as well. They'll just be a hunk of metal sitting in your driveway. Yeah, people don't realize even or, you know even early mid seventies, you know General Motors from seventy three on, they all had modules. In fact, most other companies followed suit shortly thereafter. So you take even the mid seventies up. My theory, and I'm a car guy. Bill, my theory is unless you've got some spare parts kicking around, uh, most of those mm-hmm. won't start either. Mm-hmm. So uh, cars are definitely going to be something in the past. So yeah, I mean, unless, unless you've got some things that you've hardened or you've really thought through this or you've got, to our point, you know, some older vehicles that, you know, I've got an old, my car from high school, I've got a 68 Buick uh, Grand Sport uh, from, ni- you know, from 1968 that I owned in high school, Bill, that I still own, and that's just an old points car. That car will be fine. It'll run just fine. 
Mm-hmm. I still wish I had my 1961 Carmen GA convertible. Oh, yes, you do, actually, because they're worth a lot of money today. Oh, yes, they are. Anyways, the car thing, you know, the transportation thing, we can talk about that for a moment because that's another thing that I think, you know, you said earlier, well, you know, if something happens, I'll just walk out into the country. Okay, well, first of all, Bill, um, how many people, now we live in Colorado, we're one of the healthiest stations, you know, healthy, healthiest states in the nation is what I was going to say. Uh, yeah, we probably have some people here that could walk the four or five, ten miles even to get to the country. You get to other parts of of the of, the, of America, Bill, uh, most of these people, they couldn't walk ten blocks, nonetheless ten miles. Well, you know, uh, okay, opening scenes in one second after where the EMP first strikes. Right. And my main character's talking to a doctor the next day, and he said the number of people on the interstate who are collapsing from strokes and heart attacks when they try to walk the five miles to this town, it's, it's, it's frightening. Yep. Uh, yep. I couldn't make it. I couldn't make a 10-mile hike anymore. I mean, I'm 70. I got a bad knee. Uh, maybe I could have 20 years ago, but not now. Hmm. So, I'm totally reliant on the conveniences our society provides. It's the normalcy of it. It worked yesterday, worked today, works tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I don't want to think about what happens if it all goes offline. Well, and speaking of the car side of the fence, again, growing up in that industry and just watching where that industry has gone, and you know, I always get people on my Saturday program. We have a car car show on Saturdays where I answer questions and people have problems and so on. And it's I had, I had a person here a while back, it's been a few years ago, Bill, but they they called in and said, "Man, I wish I still had my '55 Chevy." You know, they don't make cars like yeah. that anymore. And I said, "You know what? I'm glad they don't because you have to take a mechanic with you to go from one end of the country to the other in a '55 Chevy. You can take your 2005." or 15 or even now 24 model car and literally get in it without a tool bag where back in the day everywhere you went you carried a tool bag so no modern cars have become so pleasurable to drive and yet at the same time bill give us a false sense of security that they're always going to start uh i have a secret confession to make i was sitting at my driveway i got a tesla yeah i own an ev Uh, I, i own an ev mainly just because i could Learn about them in a way on the on the journalistic side of the of the of the fence, if you would. And given that I'm a car guy, a I love technology. B I just wanted to learn more about it and know exactly what they're they're like, the ins, the outs, and so on. And I'm by no means against them. Is it a replacement for the ICE vehicle? Absolutely, positively yeah. not. But are they a joy to drive? Uh, until you drive oh. one, don't knock them. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, I love that car. I just hope society holds together for another five years. I do have an older car down in the garage, you know, an old Jeep. But, again, we are so dependent on all these things, we do not think about what happens if it all turns off. No, we do not. And, again, those of you listening, you all know we talk about this on a regular basis. Even the last program we had, we went through, Bill, and just gave everybody a list of things that – they should have with them on just a day hike. You know, we have mountains here in Colorado, and we have a lot of people that come here, even even some folks that live here that, that no doubt this summer the rescue teams will be out. They'll be trying to find people. They even went out for an afternoon. They get lost. They have to hunker down. And, and I hate to say in some cases people pass away because they're just not prepared. So what we try to do here is even for those sorts of things, get, you know, get folks prepared, what should you always have in the vehicle, things along those lines. Because, again, we live in a modern world now where we've become become so and I'll be the first to admit it Bill I I'm, I'm I can get into that same mode at times you get so spoiled with everything just functioning and working like it never has before we're spoiled 
And, of course, today, anybody out there hiking, oh, my cell phone battery went dead. Oh, God, now I'm really screwed. Right. And, you know, 30, 40 years ago, you went for a hike, you didn't have a cell phone with you. No. Nope. And, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I, I'm an Eagle Scout. And we were trained in all these things 50, 60 years ago. What do you take with you on a hike? A pack of matches, a couple of emergency supplies and such. None of it. We don't do any of that no. anymore. No. And that, that's another scary part of where our society is going. In our neck of the woods, Bill, you're lucky at some cases to find somebody with a snow scraper, even though it snows all winter long here. So, I mean, really, we, we've gotten to the point to where, you know, cars, you know, people hardly pack anything, any extra water, granola, you know, granola bars, uh, you know, you know, space blankets, anything along those lines where if you had to spend the night in the car, you'd still survive. The amount of people, and I know because I worked on cars and had two auto shops for years and years, 30 plus years, I can tell you even back then, I haven't known them for about 10 years now, Bill, but I can tell you the amount of people that carry the spare things you and I are talking about is slim to none. Well, that's, uh, well, let's go right on to something everybody should have, a God bag. Mm. Get out of dump. Yeah. I've got one in my car. It has uh, some bottled water, a couple of uh, bars of energy food, uh, a little heat source, a thermal blanket, uh, some silver. Silver is you definitely want to carry some just small change silver with you. And then, of course, we have the issue of personal security. Right. I don't like to talk about that. All I'll ever say to people is if you want personal security, get professionally trained. Yes. No matter how good you think you are, get professionally trained. Yes. That's yes, I'll say I agree. No, I, I think you know you you are you are spot on, and not everybody is. And I don't know what your background was, but you know I was fortunate to be raised by an outdoors uh, you know man's man. You know that was my dad. Um, yeah. You know, I mean that Thank is you. my dad. I should say he's still alive and still very much a part of our lives. And he was he's a man's man. And I was fortunate enough to be really you know shooting and knowing how to defend yourself from a very i mean i'm talking a young age bill five six years of age we started in it was very important for you know for my dad for us to know those things early on how to start a fire how to you know how to defend yourself how to be able to handle things you know if things start to go sideways we don't teach those things anymore bill 30 second story about my father i was about 11 years old i'm down in the basement shooting range just with a bb gun my father came down, and I turned and faced my father, and I crossed the weapon across my father. You know, turning. Mm. My father was my father was a DI during the war. It's the only time I remember my father ever hitting me. Wow! He slapped me one, put the gun on the ground, the weapon on the ground. I'll break it apart if you ever do this again. I'm confiscating it for three months. And he talked to me about it later. You know, that's I'm I'm almost choked up a bit. That's sixty years ago. These type of lessons that we learned as children, we're not learning anymore. He was dead on right, you know. You could accidentally kill somebody. Well, how many people go to gun shows today and you, you get scared to hell right. by the time they're walking out? <laughs> you know? yep. They all sound like Peter Lorre, some of them. You know? Oh, look at my 50 caliber gun. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, we don't teach our children a lot of fundamental basics of how to survive, how to take care of things. We don't do that. No, anymore. we don't. And that's. And I, I, Again, I just got a, I got a question in on a text message a moment ago. Somebody said, will ATVs work after an EMP? If they are full of electronics like most modern yep. motorcycles, ATVs, and so on are even lawnmowers, by the way, there are very, very few 
uh, gas-powered anything in today's world that don't run off electronics, Bill. That's just the, that's the fact of the matter. Yes, everything's gone. We, we, you you know, we have so, solid-state ignition on almost every single thing that's running today, so that pretty much answers your question. Yes, very good. Anyways, um, good story, by the way, on your dad. And, yes, I was very fortunate to be brought up in much the same way. We're not doing that today. In fact, there's a lot of folks, I hate to say this, that are even even my age, probably not your age, but my age, where they've never been through that. In fact, they're, they're going out to defend themselves may be the very first time they've ever even experienced anything along those lines. I like what you say, get professionally trained. You know, you have to know your weapon, and that's, such a, that's a whole show in and of itself as far as what do you take to defend yourself. And I will say it straight up. I don't care what anybody else says. There is not a blanket answer for that, Bill. It really does come down to you. There's some personal choice. What are you comfortable with? What are you going to be doing? All sorts of things that come into that. There is not a standard answer. Uh, what's the last words that a couple of thousand, thousands of people hear every year? Oh, don't worry. It ain't loaded. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, again, that was one of those things. That was one of those things where, in my world, just the way my dad taught, and any time you're handed a weapon, no matter what the other person says, that's the first thing you check, and you handle it as if it's loaded as you're doing so. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that is. And, and by the way, by the way, one of the number one rules of gun safety, right? You know, that that's the number one rule we just talked about. Always act like the gun is loaded. Exactly. And yet, exactly. yet there's a lot of people out there, kids especially, that have no idea what that means. Even a muzzle loader. I mean, I, yes. I shoot muzzle loader. Yes. You you run that ramrod down the barrel and you hear a ping. That tells you that. That's it's, right. It's the weapon. That is exactly yeah. right. Yeah, and again, of course, you know, we're not supposed to store them uh, because of what they are loaded. But again, you just don't know. Anytime something's handed to you, you better be double checking, no matter what it is. And again, number one rule. Of gun safety. Okay, but getting back to just this whole yeah. EMP and how far away are we from it? And and again, there are so many. I guess this is a question I have for you. Is there really a lot of unknowns with the EMPs and what would be, you know, quote-unquote damaged? Or do you feel pretty confident that pretty much anything, unless it's hardened, pretty much anything electronically speaking, it's going to get nailed? Okay. Uh, this will take about two minutes to answer all that. That's fine. We got time. Go ahead. Uh, EMP was realized as a potent issue in 1962. We've detonated a lot of, you know, atomic and hydrogen bombs, but they were low level ground bursts. <clears throat> in 1962, we lofted a megaton warhead above Hawaii, excuse me, above Johnson Island, detonated it 500 miles away in Hawaii part of the grid shut down. And it was like, my God, what is this? The Russians did the same things to themselves called Soviet Test 184. If you're curious about this, the American test was Starfish Prime, Soviet Test 184. So it was realized in the early 60s what will happen. I'll give you a great example of government bureaucracy. About 15 years, 20 years back, government decided, some department or other, we're going to test cars to see what happens. Yeah. So they got yeah. a bunch of cars. They started juicing it up. You can generate a, a small EMP, you know, for a local effect, uh, just electronically. And after they jacked it to a certain level, uh, 70 volts uh, per square meter, a couple of the cars started shorting off. They stopped the test. The reason why? Because were rental cars, and they had to take them back. 
I love that story because because again because I've had some folks on my on my weekend program. We've gotten into EMP conversations in the past, and I'm one where I just feel like because I know how much electronics are on. Again, the cars that I mentioned earlier, the years and on up, and every year they just continue to add more and more and more. Uh, reality is, I, I'm one where I just don't think too many of them are going to be running, period. And yet I've had people call in and argue and say, well, government did a test some 20 years ago, and you'd be surprised how many actually <laughs> ran after the test was done. I'm like, well, yeah, well, first of all, don't believe everything you read when it comes to that. You know, the, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> it's a bit smoky here today. So, yeah, we, we've been. We, by the way, we've been through some of that in our neck of the woods here, so we can very much sympathize with you guys. Well, you know, just 15-second side break. You're hearing everybody say, talk about global warming causes, and a friend of mine sent me a newspaper article from my town from about 100 years ago about a huge fire up in Canada that completely blanketed, blanketed the eastern United States. Yeah. So it was going on 100 years ago. Yep. It was on now. Good point. Good but point. I lost my train of thought. I was about to say what? Oh, we were talking, talking about, about cars and the tests and, and you, yeah. know, the, you know, I've had listeners basically call in and tell me that I'm wrong because, no, there's been government studies saying they will run, and then, and then uh, you were going to chime in. Okay. Uh, the big uh, interstate highways uh, around Denver. Let's just say only 10% of the cars short off okay. during rush hour. What happens to the other 90%? No, they're all stuck. They're all stuck. And then if you can make it to a gas pump, the pump's off. It's open. not running. Your car, yeah, your, your car is junk anyhow. 10, 10% of the cars short off were just as screwed as if it was 90%. That's right. In fact, most people have to abandon their cars and walk away. Yeah, and, and another just side note, I know this just from the, the Saturday program that I run, Bill. The majority of people that run around with less than even probably a quarter of a tank of gas in on a routine oh. basis, how far do you think they're getting, even if they do have the ability to keep the car running? And Okay, we'll segue that over to another issue here. We're almost, almost all of us are on some medication or other in a you know, medicated yeah. society. How many of us wait until there's only two pills left in the bottle to go and get the refill? Everybody, particularly yep. those with crucial needs for medication, yep. should have at least a month or two, ideally three months, of medication on hand. We don't do that either. So within a matter of weeks, a hell of a lot of people are going to start having issues, coronary, That's right. cancer treatment, all of it. So will be a non-medicated society again, and that's pretty yep. terrible. That's right. So again, really quick, folks, I got a few text messages coming in saying, hey, you know, maybe you know, coming into the show a little bit late, what are, what are you guys exactly talking about? We're talking to, and, and I thank you, by the way, for the reminder, William Forstchen, it's F-O-R-S-T-C-H-E-N. He's the author of a lot of different books and different things that he's done in the past, mainly One Second After. If you, if you get that book or go look it up, you'll see all of the other books in the series that are there as well. There's a new book coming out here in August, five years after. They are fabulous. If you're interested in this particular topic, you need to read these books. They're some of the best books that, frankly, I've read when it comes to this particular topic, and they're not done in a technical manner they're done in a if this happens this is what you can expect manner is probably the best way for me to say it and then a minute ago we were just talking about some of the quote-unquote government tests that were done on vehicles some 20 years ago in fact i think it was the early 20 
early 2000s, Bill, I think is when that test was done. Correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, yes, you're right. And to your point, the test wasn't really done properly because as they started to juice things up, quote unquote, uh, some of the cars there started to not respond very well. And given the fact that most of the cars there were either government cars that they didn't want to destroy or they were rental cars, it really wasn't a full test. Let's just say it that way. You would think they, the, the the United States auto fleet for all the different agencies, they're retiring tens of thousands of cars a year. Right. And it's the cars. You'd think they would take 50 of them out and cook them to really see what would I mean, we, we give them to fire departments and some that are even damaged that still would work for the test you're talking about. We give them to fire departments to cut apart and start on fire and use for training and so on. So to your point, we do a lot of that already. Why not do it here? Exactly. We have the resources, and this this comes back down to, again, what you talked about earlier with Biden really shutting down what Trump initiated when it came to getting a full report on where we're at and what do we do. The reality is, this is really why you're here, we as a country are not paying a lick of attention and not spending a nickel on this. And I mean that sincerely, folks. We are not spending a nickel to defend ourselves against this, are we? You know, it, it, it's reminiscent of the old fairy tale, the emperor's new clothes, where in the end he's walking down the street naked, but nobody has the guts to say, hey, wait a minute. Right. He's got no clothes on. Right. America at this moment is walking naked when it comes to so many different things, EMP just being one of them. There's other issues as well. Correct. We're a very vulnerable society at this moment, the most vulnerable in our lifetime. I think COVID proved that, and that was really, in my opinion, a big test run because there was a lot going on with COVID, as we've continued to find out, uh, that really wasn't uh, – hey, we didn't respond to that the way we should have in the first place. That's a whole conversation in and of itself, Bill. Bottom line, we learned a lot through that, and what I learned from that is, man alive, our people – our people sheep, they will do and and follow and and you know they, they get instruction from some quote unquote authority and, and they're bound to determine that's exactly what they're going to do. We have lost our ability to reason, critically think, and figure things out for ourselves. You know, a couple of years back, I, I guess it was a sign that was out of order when you speak, you know, electronic signs on a highway. Yep. It just had one word on it: obey. And I remember my girlfriend and I laughing our butts off because we're just like, obey. That's what we're we're programmed to do now. That's right. Obey. That is exactly right. And again, that's that's why you're here. And again, for those of you listening, we've had Bill on many times in the past. Going to have him on again in the future. The book, again, five years after coming out in August. Bill, can you pre-order that now, by the way? I didn't look. I apologize. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you, you can go ahead and pre-order it. It will be delivered on August the 25th. Okay. So those of you that would like to get that, you can pre-order now. I highly recommend you do that. Be first in line. And, again, we'll have Bill on again prior to that and talk more about this. And, and Bill, again, I always appreciate your time. You are very, very gracious to us, and we are very, very appreciative of what you do for us here in Denver. You know, my interviews with you, I can't believe we just went through 55 minutes. <laughs> we you did. Know? We roll right through it. <laughs> uh, you and I over a beer some evening would be very interesting. I would love that. If you if we ever get to where we're in the same area, I, w- I would dearly love that. Yes, that would be fabulous. You got it. You got it. All right, man. Whenever you come eat, I want to know. Okay. okay? Or, I will keep you posted. I, I, I travel around quite a bit, so I will let you know. Please. Please do. I'll do it. Bill, thank you again. It's just it's a joy, and I've gotten to just know you really as a friend, and I really appreciate it, sir. Closing thoughts, God protects drunk schools in the United States of America. So please, <laughs> okay. we need some heavenly protection. There we go. Time. 
Bill, thanks. Have a great evening, sir. God bless. All right. God bless you, too. Great man. Uh, and those of you listening, if you haven't read some of his works, and, and by the way, I have not even scratched the surface on the things that he has done. He's got some works that he's done in the past with uh, Newt Gingrich and others. I mean, he has done a lot of things uh, in the writing area, not just in this EMP world, but a lot of different things. And he is a fabulous writer. And as you can tell, just becoming really a good friend of mine and a friend of our show and really appreciate him. I had no idea. I'll be, I'll be the first to tell you guys. I learned about him years ago on Drive Radio. Somebody called in when we were talking about EMPs and said, hey, John, you got to read this book. So I did. Well, then I read his second book and then the third book and the fourth book. And I'll read this, uh, you know, the five-year after as well. And so as I started reading his works, I just really, you know, fell in love with what he does in the, in the writing style, as I said earlier, and just the ability to really put yourself in the scenario that he's writing about. He does a fabulous job of that. I had no idea at that point in time we would ever be able to speak on a, on a you know, one-on-one basis like I've done now. I think it's the fourth time, Charlie, he's been on with us. And we have just had a joy getting to know him more and more. Those of you here in this Denver area, literally, we are blessed to have him join us on a routine basis. He probably at this point, because the other expert on EMPs has passed, Bill is probably one of the four known experts on EMPs in the country given the fact that he had a close relationship with the real true expert of EMPs who, who passed away here this past year. So we are very blessed to have him with us on a pretty routine basis. All right, we'll take another quick break. And don't forget about Stack Optical. They want to take care of, I should say he, Alan, wants to take care of all of your eye care needs. Visit Alan today, 303-321-1578 at Stack Optical. Summer hailstorms have returned with a bang, leaving roofs across the front range in need of repair or replacement. You need to know what options will be best for your home. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we pride ourselves in helping homeowners maintain their roofs through hail or shine. We work with any insurance company to get your damaged roof the replacement it needs. However, if you are looking to get more life out of your current roof, we also offer a 100% plant-based rejuvenation treatment that gives new roof performance without all the new roof costs. With over 20-plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your situation and through every season. If you think your roof has been a victim of hail, contact us to set up your free inspection and receive an honest evaluation about the condition of your roof. Call today at 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com to keep a durable roof over your head. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. 
Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses? Well, look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968, yes, you heard me right. Since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. All right, folks, that's it. Ready Radio. And if you missed any of today's program, you want to go back and listen to what Bill had to say, you can always do that at ready-radio.com. So I appreciate, by the way, all of you listening. If you use any of our sponsors, the folks that make this show happen on a regular basis, please tell them. And last but not least, if there's any of you out there listening that would like to be a part of what we do here as a sponsor, please reach out to me and I can make that happen in a very, very easy way. So, again, have a great afternoon, guys. Ready-radio.com. This is KLZ 560. and opinions expressed on KLC 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country Station.